This is the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. Hi, I'm Pastor Dominic. Welcome to Elevate, the student ministry of Living Word Church, where we exist to exalt Christ, make disciples, and equip the saints. Thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. May it elevate Jesus and encourage you. Let's get started. There are a lot of different ways to worship and to praise God. We can worship him for who he is, and we can worship him for what he's done, for his great works. And tonight, we're looking a little bit at his great works and at his creation and how he created men and women. But before we go any further, I want to remember what we talked about last week, and I opened with a question, a question you're going to hear the rest of the series. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Now, I know it's a strange question to ask teenagers because I bet you a lot of you have never really sat down and thought about what kind of marriage you want to have. And yet, teenagers who have never thought about what kind of marriage they want to have begin dating anyway and jump into these romantic relationships and give themselves away. And perhaps one of the reasons that so many of your friends, or maybe even you, go from one dating relationship to the next one broken heart after another, is because there is no clear destination in mind. There is no goal of what kind of marriage you or your friends want to have. And it would be so foolish to set sail on a boat into open ocean and not have a destination in mind or a map to get there. So last week, we asked the question, are you willing to redefine love? And we discussed how love isn't an emotion, it's a commitment to choose. But the good news is that if love is a choice, then it empowers you to choose wisely. You're not tied to your emotions of who you're supposed to be with. You're able to, in spite of your emotions, listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to wisdom. But if you choose someone There is an unspoken implication. It is that if you are choosing them, it's understood that you are also becoming theirs. So the phrase, I love you, is a commitment. It's a powerful phrase, and it's saying, I choose you, and I set myself apart from everyone else to be yours. And then we close last week in an understanding of how can we base a relationship on Jesus? And we looked at the greatest commandments, and, and we came down to that we base, to base our commitment on God is that we love him wholly. We give him all of our love, and he gives us his perfect, unconditional love to us and through us to those around us. Now, tonight, we're looking at how guys and girls are created differently. God Of God's great works, his His pinnacle, his masterpiece, his magnum opus was you, was humanity. But he didn't create humanity as a single gender. He created men and women. And we're going to take a look at that tonight. But just for fun, I'm going to begin with two different lists. The first list is 13 reasons it's great to be a girl. And don't hold me to these. These are ones I've been collecting from youth for years. So here we go. You ready for this? Great. 13 reasons it's great 
to be a girl. First of all, anything a guy can do, a girl can do cuter. <laughs> Girls don't have to pay on dates traditionally. And it's a tradition I think we ought to continue. Girls smell better. Amen. Do I hear any amens? Girls mature faster. They live longer. They have lower driver's insurance. Often they have better handwriting. They have more discount racks at stores. They can carry more stuff because purses. They're very aware of social cues. Girls in public can cry. And they get first dibs on the lifeboat if their cruise liner sinks. And finally, and a little bit more serious and special, is that a woman may be blessed to grow a person. <laughs> all right, 13 reasons it's great to be a guy. First of all, a guy only has to pack one small suitcase for a four-day vacation. He can be ready and out of the house in five minutes. We can open all our own jars. We can go to the bathroom without a support group. Getting into a fight actually makes us fast friends. We can write our name in the snow with P. We have the ability to hold a 30-second phone conversation. Our friends will still talk to us if we forget their birthday. We never have to worry about a line at the public bathroom, which I feel bad for you girls for. All of our life principles can be simplified into sports analogies. And our dress shoes don't blister or pinch our feet. And lastly, but most importantly, we may receive the blessing of shepherding a family someday. So, I'll revisit the question, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Tonight, are you willing to embrace the other gender's differences? Men and women are drastically different. We're drastically different in how we process life. But what are our natural pursuits? How do we feel accomplished? How can we communicate well with someone so different from us? Because the first mistake that we make is believing that the other thinks the way we do. <laughs> but that's not how God hardwired us. If we're going to have a healthy marriage based on love, we need to learn not only to tolerate the other person's differences, but to thrive because of our differences. So let's go back. Let's go back to when God created men and women and see if we can pick up some clues in how he hardwired us differently. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 28, then we're going to jump forward to verse 31. Are you there? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Whoa, that's a huge statement. That we're created in God's image. Now, the word man and him here, we can't tell in English, but in Hebrew, this, this are plural. So it would probably best be read, God created mankind, humanity, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, how did he create humanity? He created them, male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, so together, as one, they have a mission. And he says this, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And take dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 31, and God saw 
that he, what, all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, just as a side note, our society is trying to destroy gender identity by making it subjective. But we are right at the very DNA level, either male or female. To dispute this is to deny reality. But our enemy wants to destroy clarity so he can effectively attack the very foundation of God's kingdom, and that is the family unit. That is marriages. Now, God, on purpose, created two genders, male and female, and there are two truths here we need to see. This is so beautiful. Are you ready for this? First, the two together create a clearer image of God, which means that God created us as two sides of the same puzzle, and both halves working in unity together show a more complete image of himself for his glory. And the second thing is that when these two work together in harmony, they create a powerhouse team to best fulfill God's commission. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Dominate life, expand the God-worshiping family to the ends of the earth. And this is what we see reflected in Matthew 28 with Jesus' great commission. What does he say to do? He says to go into all the world and teach them everything that he's taught and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the same mission. Go into all the world and make worshipers, make all of creation, fill creation with praise to its creator. So God chose to make us different. And when we work in harmony together, as we're gonna see at the end of chapter two in a minute, when they work together, not only do they glorify God, not only do they, do they work towards the expanding of his kingdom, of filling creation with his praise, but there's also the greatest intimacy and fulfillment. So let's take man first. Man, in chapter two of Genesis, is formed. Verses seven through nine, and then we'll jump to verse 15. The Lord God formed the man of dust right out of the ground. He took dirt from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So what did God hardwire man for do? To be a worker, to be a caretaker, to take on a task and complete it. Now let's take a look. Let's keep going. Let's take a look at woman. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. Then we'll jump forward to 21 through 23. Then God said, it is not good that man should be alone. So up until now, you have again and again and again, God saying, this is good, this is good, and this is good, and this all, it is very good. And then he says, but I've created man incomplete. It's not good yet. I will make him a helper, fit, the other half of the puzzle piece, fit for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib 
that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman. Wow. God didn't just stoop down to the ground and create a, a second entity. No, The greatest expression of unity is that she is made directly from him for him, right there from his side. And what is she hardwired for? To be a companion, to be a helper. So a woman is hardwired to join, to connect, to to help, to partner. And what happens when these work together? When man has the one who's fit for him, Chapter two, verse 24. A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. One heart, one mind, one purpose, one flesh. Unity, intimacy, fulfillment. And then God gave this couple a single mission. But he did it by giving them indispensable gifts And these gifts, they're supposed to complement each other, not create division, not to create conflict. They're supposed to work together. And together, they'll have a momentum that neither of them could have alone. You know what? It seems again and again, science confirms scripture and biology confirms this. It shows at least one of the ways that we're very different. On our brains is what biologists call gray matter. And gray matter has the job of passing electrical signals across our brains. Now, the more gray matter that you have on your brain, the the more stops those electrical signals will make getting from one part of the brain to the other. Now, these electrical signals, their memories, their emotions, their thoughts, ideas, desires, issues, all of that, is being passed around in the brain on this gray matter. More gray matter, then the more stops those electrical signals will make. The less gray matter, the less stops those electrical signals will make. Now, whether you have more or less gray matter doesn't determine intelligence, just how information travels. Imagine if I had six guys on this side of the stage and 12 on the other side, and they're supposed to pass a baton from one end to the other. Now, which side would be faster? Well, well the guys, there's, there's half the number that it would have to be passed through, but which baton would have the most fingerprints? Well, it would be the girls. That baton would, would collect more information being passed. Now, between the genders, between the sexes, there's actually a great difference of how much gray matter is on the brain. Girls, women, have six to 10% more gray matter. And this is one of the reasons that we function so differently. All right, so I've brought my illustration over here. I have here a bag of spaghetti. Now take a look at it. Every noodle is random and it's tangled and it's interacting with every other noodle. And it's hard to find any distinguishable end of any one noodle where one ends and the other begins. It's just it's kind of a mess. 
And this, this is how her brain works. Because of all the extra gray matter, every issue and thought and emotion and desire is seemingly interacting with and touching every other emotion and issue and thought and desire. And so what this will do is it gives a woman often a very rich memory because she attaches emotions to memories or she attaches memories and emotions and issues to details where guys might not. This also helps them to be a little bit better at multitasking. There, there was a study done where they hooked up a girl's brain and a guy's brain to some sort of scanner, and they gave them both the same test. And the test was simply this. They would, the, the person giving the test would say words and say, do these two words rhyme, yes or no? Answer the question. Now, for the guy, they saw on the screen that only half of his brain lit up. Because what's he doing? He is simply listening for the sound at the end of the words so that he can answer yes or no. But for the woman, both sides of her brain lit up like a Christmas tree. Why? Because the words that she's hearing are connecting to memories and emotions and thoughts, desires, and everything else. So her brain is lighting up when she hears these words. Just stereotypically, if you're having a conversation with a guy or a conversation with a girl, which one will use more words? Because her brain is like spaghetti. She's a spaghetti head. Now, what does this do in, in, in her? Her pursuit is a constant attempt to connect life together neatly. For her, it's like she wants to take this mess of, of spaghetti noodles and she wants to lay them out end to end or she wants to make this clear web where it all makes sense, where all the attachments are in the right place and she's able to interact and see how they all connect. So when does she feel accomplished? She's gonna feel accomplished when all these thoughts and memories and emotions uh, are connected and make sense with every other emotion and thought and memory then she's gonna feel just a little bit more rest. The world makes just a little bit more sense. So how does she do this? She does this by a word that we're gonna to invent tonight. We're gonna to make it into a verb. She does this by spaghettiing. How does she recharge? How does she feel accomplished? How does she make all this mess of strands connect neatly and experience the, the right emotion with each one and find that sense of rest? She's gonna do it, and you're gonna be shocked. You'll never see this coming. She's gonna do it through talking, through conversation. And in conversation, all the little links naturally come together without any great effort. And it's through conversation that she decompresses, she recharges, and she feels just a little bit more at peace. So imagine how she would problem solve. If there's a problem she needs to deal with, it'd be like adding a problem into this mess of noodles. And so that problem is going to touch everything else, right? So if there's a problem she needs to solve, she's gonna need time to process and connect all the other thoughts and issues and memories and emotions to that problem. She's having to spaghetti everything else to the new issue. And ideally, she would like to mentally interact with each aspect emotionally, relationally, logically, and experience the appropriate emotion as it pertains to the problem at hand. 
This is why in a conversation, it'll seem like she has a lot of different emotions. Or maybe she'll seem indecisive because she's having to, to work. She's having to spaghetti everything together. But if she has the chance, after neatly attaching all the emotions and memories, et cetera, et cetera, the solution will bubble to the surface and she'll readily accept it. Now, it's an important note. For her to skip this process is a denial of how she works. It's important to recognize that if a woman is forced to make a quick decision without spaghettiing, or maybe a decision is sort of pressed on her that she didn't get a chance to have this process, then it creates this layer of stress. And this layer of stress she's going to carry into the rest of her day. She now adds a stress noodle into here that's touching everything else that she's going to do. And until she can work this out, until she can spaghetti it out, that layer of stress is going to be part of her day. So guys, where are you? Are you all on this side? Okay, guys, pay attention now. If you tuned out, now's the time to tune in. I'm going to give you golden advice. Like You can't overestimate how good this advice is. Guys, stay with me right now. I'm going to make you a hero. Here is your golden ticket. Are you all ready? When you're in a conversation with a girl, any girl, maybe even future girlfriend, future wife, log this away. When you're in that conversation, stop wanting her to cut to the point. For her, the fluff and the details are the point. She's needing to do this. There may not be a single point that you just need to drive to. Her working this out her talking seamlessly, endlessly into all these different directions and emotions and everything, this is the point. She's needing to spaghetti. And if you can hang in there, if you can brace yourself to the end, if you can make it to the end, she's going to do this. I promise, like, try this. She's going to do it like this. She's going to go, you're so easy to talk to. I just, I feel, I feel safe with you. Yeah, you're, you're just like one of my favorite people. Yes, you're in. Guys, let her spaghetti. She, she, what she's doing is now she's connected her whole world together and you got to be a part of that. And she's connected her emotions and issues and feelings and memories to you. So she feels close and connected to you. Give her the chance. She's going to say, I feel like I can be myself with you. Yes. Guys, log it away. So conclusion, this beautiful, incredible creature called woman is hardwired to unite. She likes to be an emotional anchor, a helper. She likes to see a wider picture of how things connect. And a very, very wise man will see this incredible attribute as something that is so good in a life partner. Guys, guys, talking to us, we are like waffles. We are waffle brains. There we are, right here. A waffle, if you notice, is divided up into individual squares. If you pour syrup on a waffle, the syrup separates into individual squares. This is how we think. We are waffle heads. A guy's brain having less gray matter kind of does this. And what what this does is a guy works by organizing his life, organizing his day, organizing his thoughts into individual boxes. We compartmentalize. And 
We put all of our memories and our emotions into these, deep, into these neatly divided boxes. And so we, we're in box one. And then after box two is done, we will step into box two. And we don't want to leave box one until box one is finished. We don't want to get into box two until box one is taken care of. And so this is, this is what, what we do. This is how we focus. This is how we work. If we're at work, we're in the work box. If we're at play, we're in the play box. Are y'all following me, guys? Are you guys like, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of true. So what's our pursuit? Our pursuit is this constant desire to problem solve. We want to enter a box. We want to solve the task. We want to come up with a solution. And then we want to see it to completion before we move to the next box. And these boxes have walls. We don't want to be drugged from one box to the next box. It creates stress. If we haven't solved this box yet and we get pulled into the next box, we feel a little bit more stressed about the day. We don't want to be drugged over a wall. So when do we feel accomplished? We feel accomplished when we've solved a task. That's when we feel successful. That's when we feel like the world makes a little bit more sense. It's a little bit less stressful is when we finally solved a box. And just like she's chasing the feeling of connection, he's chasing that feeling of success. So in conversation, he does look for the bottom line. Why? A conversation is a box. We step into a conversation saying, okay, there is an issue that we need to resolve. There's something to be done. There's a point. And we're not going to step into the next box until this conversation has reached the point. Are you following me? That's how we think. Now, if, uh, often, guys will pick their careers based on what category of boxes we feel successful in. We're, we're good at these boxes. They have predictable outcomes. They make us feel good about ourselves. We feel successful. That's how we'll pick a career. Now, guys, I need you to pay attention. This can also be very dangerous because if you start feeling successful in a career or a hobby, but you're not feeling successful in your marriage or with your kids, you will have a tendency to gravitate to put more time, more energy, and more attention into boxes you feel successful in. So you have to be careful with this. Now, how does a guy recharge? If a woman recharges in conversation, how does a guy recharge? And girls, this isn't going to make sense to you. A guy recharges by stepping into an empty box. There's nothing in here. There's no job that has to be done. There is, there's not even words in this box. We just, it's empty. It's wonderful. I love my empty box. And it's so funny because it'll be when a guy is in his empty box, he's sort of zoned out, you know? And it's right this moment that the girl who desires to connect and unite, she looks at him and goes, he looks so peaceful. Now is a perfect time to connect. And she'll start a conversation and say, what you thinking about? And we're like, there's no words. So we start searching nearby boxes to try to find words to engage back in conversation. We end up saying something ridiculous and off the wall. So ladies, I'll give you valuable insight. Give him a chance to park in his empty box. Don't feel like now is the time you have to drag something out of him. Let him just, let him be happy. Accept that silence isn't a bad thing. Think about it this way. If a girl's desire is to connect through conversation and she's silent, what does that mean? She's not happy. She's not wanting to connect right now. Now, if a guy's desire for conversation is to get to a point and solve an issue, and he's silent, what does that mean? It means he's at peace. 
that he's at peace with you. Because if there was an issue, his problem-solving nature would want to deal with it. So it's okay if he's quiet. It doesn't mean that anything's wrong most of the time. There's a, a great story that I read about a fiance, and she was having trouble connecting uh, with her future husband. And one of his favorite things to do was to tinker around in the garage and work on cars and stuff like that. And she was feeling just disconnected. So she made the choice that she was going to go in the garage and say nothing. She was just going to just be there. Just be with him. So she did. She went in, she sat, and she just helped him with things if he asked for help. And as the silence drew on, eventually he started talking. And his, his emotions about their coming marriage and their different life things started surfacing. And she got exactly what she wanted. They felt, she felt connected to him. He was willing to get vulnerable. And, and her closing statement of the story was, I'm never leaving the garage again. So girls, take advantage and be a hero. Just be okay. Let him be in his empty box. When he's in the car or on the couch or whatever, um, yeah. And after a while, he's going to go like this. He's going to go, I just love being with you. And there it is, connection, unity. So conclusion, this handsome, sturdy creature called man is hardwired to problem solve. He likes to make decisions and he likes to see tasks accomplished. Now as a disclaimer, these are not black and white. Everything's a sliding scale. And of course, girls are great at problem solving. And of course, guys can have meaningful relationship building, but we do it in different ways coming from different places. And we can be dynamic if we're willing to work together, to not just tolerate each other being different, but to embrace it. So how can two people work together in unity? And there's a great book. It's actually titled Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti, and it, it dives into it. Okay, so how do we take these principles and apply them to finances, to raising children, to sex, to in-laws, to all that different stuff? But the chapter that's most important that I'd like to pull from right now is communication, because communication touches every one of those subjects. If we can communicate well, then we can do well. So how do we communicate well? How do we have healthy, productive, selfless communication so that we can have a healthy relationship? He's a problem solver. He begins a conversation with a point, with an objective to complete. If there's no objective, there's no real pressing reason for him to start a conversation. For her, she starts a conversation not because there's an issue to resolve, but to connect, to unite with someone, to connect her world to that person. As long as she cares about them, she wants to connect to them. So what happens when both default to their natural hardwiring? There's conflict or there's unity. I'll give you an example of conflict. Let's suppose that a wife calls her husband and she says, you'll never believe it, I just got chewed out by my boss. It's a high-pressure situation, right? So... What is her purpose of calling? Now that you know spaghetti and waffle principles, what's her purpose of calling? She wants to work through what was said, what she felt about it, how this connects to her family, how it connects to other memories, how it connects to other issues. She wants to process this. She needs to get this terrible noodle in line and figured out and connected with everything else in her world. She wants to connect her life together to spaghetti. But what does he hear? He hears, there's an issue with my boss that needs to be resolved. So he'll start trying to problem solve for her, right? He'll start saying, well, you need to go back and say this. Or the next time this happens, you need to do this. Or if you want, I'll come down and I'll talk to him for you. Do you see the difference? She's calling to connect to spaghetti, and he just hears a conversation as a means to an end. 
She needs to conversate. He's going to try to problem solve. And so whenever he does this, she starts getting frustrated because he keeps interrupting. He keeps trying to fix her and he keeps trying to fix everything else. But what she's really wanting to do is spaghetti to work it out. So it's very frustrating for her. Oh, let's, let's switch the scenario. Let's say he calls her and says, I'm so angry, my best friend John returned my boat broken. So what's he calling her about? There's an issue that needs to be resolved, and I need to come up with a game plan of how to deal with it, right? But what does she hear? She hears, I want to make sense of this. I want to make sense of my emotions of this. I want to connect everything related and unrelated together to it. And so she'll start jumping in and she'll start seeing all the different connections that she's making. And it's like she's opening up 10,000 web browsers in his brain and it feels overwhelming to him. So he gets frustrated because it's like she's opening up all the boxes at the same time and there's no resolution in sight. Y'all follow me? So conflict. So how do we do this? How How do we keep her from breaking down walls? And how do we keep him from chopping her spaghetti into squares? And it's actually very simple. If the biggest source of conflict is believing that the other person thinks like we do, then the first thing that we need to do is stop trying to convert the other person to us and embrace that they're different and love that they're different and understand that our differences work together well. The key to, the uni- to unity here is to be selfless and to put them first. That's it. To stop trying to get them to be like us, but in fact, to put them first, to be selfless. Philippians 2, I'll start in verse 2. It says this. Paul is writing, he says, Complete my joy, like make me happy about this, of being of the same mind, unity, having the same love, unity, being in full accord, and of one mind. Do nothing, listen, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but the interests of others. And this is what we're going to bring into communication, into conversation. We're going to conversate putting them first. So let's take turns. Guys, girls, when you're talking, take turns. Guys, I'm gonna, we're going to talk to you guys first. Guys, we work in boxes, right? Build a listening box. This box, your job is to get to the end. And you are successful when she is able to spaghetti, when she does the, you just make me, I just feel like I can talk to you about anything. Yes, box solved. Now we can move on. You following me? Build this and and let her go. Let her wander all over the place. Guys, you're just going to travel. This is your job. Your listening box is to travel with her wherever she goes. Let her experience emotions. Even if you can't relate, let her go. Try to track with her the best you can. Guys, travel with her. Girls, when he starts a conversation or it's his turn to talk, I want you to try hard to find the point of why he's bringing this up. What is the purpose of it? And then, I'd like you to do this, camp. Camp right there at the point. Because he brought up this point for a specific issue, for a specific reason, and he wants to stay on this point for a little while until he feels like he can close this point. So bear with him. And I know you're gonna see all the different things that connect to it. 
And if he has any sort of wisdom, he may actually ask what you think about it. But give him a chance that whenever you do speak, to connect things directly to that point for him. Girls, you're going to camp. Guys, you're going to... You're going to travel. Girls, you're going to... Guys, you're going to... Girls, you're going to... All right. Guys, your mom doesn't think like you do. Girls, your brother doesn't think like you do. Teachers and bosses and friends of the opposite sex don't think like you do. And we're never going to fully understand each other. It's okay. What we do is understand is that we're different and that we can work together if we'll be intentional, if we'll be selfless, if we'll care. So future husbands, if you'll work together with your wife, you're going to solve problems with more consideration of all the factors. You will solve problems better if you'll have the wisdom to lean into her gift. And future wives, if you'll work with your husband, you will solve problems with a lot more assurity. You'll solve them with more efficiency, and they will get done if you'll lean into his strengths to take on a task, to see a solution, and to tackle it. Put the other first. Be in full accord and of one mind. In humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your interests, but to the interests of others. And I think this is such a cool closing thought. That when God chose to communicate with us for the sake of our salvation, he sent what he has called the word. He called Jesus the word. Because God saw how we as humans work and he related to us and became human for the sake of the clearest possible communication. Philippians 2 says that that it's like he stepped out of glory. He emptied himself for the sake of being our way so that we could know and see him. And if he would do that for us, how much more can we be selfless in conversation to say, I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to travel with you. Or, or I'm going to camp with you. And it's a reflection of what true love looks like. True love communicates the way they need to be communicated with. So recap, God created us with unique and different gifts on purpose. Women are designed to connect, and she feels at peace when she has the opportunity to connect her world together. Men are designed to complete tasks, and he feels successful when he can solve a problem and move on. And our greatest tension is when we treat the other as if they operate like us. We can bridge this gap of communication if we'll be selfless and take turns. Guys, travel. Girls, camp. So I ask you again, are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage you've always wanted? Are you willing to embrace each other's differences? So here's a challenge for the week. This week, when you're interacting with the opposite sex of anyone, any kind of relationship, practice this. Travel, camp. See how it works. See if suddenly communication opened up just a little bit better. Whenever you were willing to be selfless, when you were willing to be patient, when you were willing to communicate with the way that they communicate. Heavenly Father, I thank you. May you receive all the glory for how you made us, how you made us different for the sake of, of dominating life of taking on the commission to fill the earth with your praise. And Lord, I pray that all the future husbands and wives here will put these tools into their toolbox, that they'll begin practicing them right now. 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of my wife who, who brings such wisdom in situations because of her ability to see things that I miss. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for all the future husbands, and I pray for myself, that we would, would lead with wisdom, with decisiveness, and with strength, Lord. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening, and a special thanks to all of you who have subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. If you would like to learn more about Elevate, you can visit us at iloveelevate.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for everything you do that brings faith, hope, and love to the world around you. Now go, follow Jesus.